What's going on, you guys? So here's the deal. Have you ever been in business for a while, tried building it on your own, maybe with some people's help, but it's hard, it feels really heavy, you start learning lessons that feel like it should take you longer than it does, and then after a while of breaking through those lessons learned, you look around and you see somebody and the way that they help people, and you're like, man, I wish I would have known about this person sooner. That's exactly how I feel about today's guest, Sam Malai. Sam, I have been noticing him, and I know he's been around forever. Uh, I'm kind of behind the curve here, but Sam helps law firm owners like me use the internet in all of the tech-savvy ways that you can use it now as a business owner. It won't surprise a lot of my viewers, whether you're lawyers or not, to know that a lot of law firm owners are really behind the times right now in terms of the funnels and the ways of doing messaging and marketing. Sam is the owner of Legal Funnels, in addition to like a bunch of other law firms that he runs. If you look at his resume, it seems like he's 50 years old, even though we're the same age. Sam, thanks for being here, man. Thank you. Thank you, Joey. By the way, I've been following you too. It's crazy. The online world, even though it's very big and everyone's on it, it's actually pretty small, especially when you meet in person. And I was at the ClickFunnels conference last year with my wife. And I had no expectations. I just came in and as I walked around, I'm like, hey, 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 hey. And I kept like going up to people and hugging people. My wife's like, how do you know that person? How do you know that person? I'm like, I don't know. I just do like, I, yeah, it's my friend. I've been talking to him for a couple of years. So it's, it's like that. You're right. It really is a small world. Yeah. It's really crazy. Is. And what I love about the positions that I know you're in that I'm starting to step into is when you become more of a, a leader in your space who looks back and does what you can to help and mentor others, then it allows you to mentor or to build relationships and collaborations with other experts who are, who are doing similar things. And again, I wish I would have known about Sam years ago because he would have helped me figure out a lot of things that gave me a bunch of headaches. Sam, we're going to get into the tips that you have for lawyers and non-lawyers alike in terms of building a, a business of their dreams. I want to take take us back to, to your law school experience because I what I share a lot with my audience is that I wasn't thinking about being an entrepreneur, let alone doing even business law when I was in law school. We talked a little bit before we went live about how where you're at now wasn't really in the cards for you when you were in school, but was there any part of what your reality now that was kind of on your mind when you were in law school? I feel like there are, there's three types of people. There's the entrepreneurs, there's the implementers, the man, there's the managers who are good people. So yeah. I think so you got to figure out exactly what type of person you are. I think I knew early on, well, I didn't realize until later that I was kind of more of the, the visionary, having a lot mm -hmm. of creativity, a lot of thinking a lot. 
And that led me to, you know, having a lot of bunch of small little startups as I was growing mm -hmm. up. I would sell jeans on eBay. I had a tutoring company. I thought my for four years I was tutoring hardcore. I thought like that that'll be my future. But a lot of them, I think the commonality was a bunch of startups, visions that I had that I turned to fruition. And it was always to serve people or to teach people something. Mm. And, you know, I never imagined doing exactly what I'm doing now, but actually looking back at it, it kind of makes total sense. Because again, I kind of had that vision that I thought I was going to have this tutoring company and teach people. Now, essentially what I do now is essentially that teaching lawyers to do what I do and, you know, for them to grow their own virtual law firm. I love it. When you decided to go to law school, was there another type of practice area that you were interested in when you said yes to those three years? No, actually, I feel like okay. if I would have had a mentor at the time, maybe I would have not went to law school possibly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people are missing mentors at very important times of their life. That's why I feel like I'm now on a mission to try to be a mentor to as many people as I could. I, I feel like I was missing that mentor at the time. Maybe, you know, I would have went down a different path, yeah. but I don't regret at all. I think I learned so much in law school, especially learning how to write really well, be able to analyze things to think like big picture all those things do matter so you know don't look at everything on a surface level you know don't think like exactly what i'm going to do with that everything makes sense in big picture mm -hmm. as long as you're learning and you're growing and you're connecting with good people you know, good things are going to happen after law school love it and i know you're i mean you're still pretty young so how quickly after law school did you jump into the world of entrepreneurship and having your own firm so before I even passed the bar, I uh, was working for an employment law firm. Okay. And it, it didn't take me long to realize I didn't want to sit here and do legal paperwork, do discoveries and write demand letters all day long. Yeah. I was pretty much, I was miserable. I, I remember coming into work at like a nine, nine oh five. I was already looking at the time. <laughs> like this, mm. like, that was a major red flag for me. I'm like, if I'm looking at the time at nine oh five, this is not right. Started soul searching, started talking to as many people as I could, started researching things on Google. And told him I met one of my friends who was one year ahead of me in, in law school. And he pretty much went on his own. And he told me that he started his own law firm. And, and he's like, yeah, it's, it's working out. You know, I'm doing it. I'm getting a couple of clients. And, and my realization was, I'm like, if he can do it, so can I. So yeah. it's always good to, you know, if you see somebody that does something, that opens up your vision. So that's honestly, that was what it was for me. Just like saying that, hey, I could do it too. Man, that's awesome. And I know we talked before we went live about how one of your secrets to your success is really embracing virtual assistants and, and building a, a team. Was was that a pretty quick lesson that you learned in business or did it take you a while before you found out about that VA world and, and hired someone? So I think one of the secrets to success that I have is figuring out what works in other fields. Mm. When it comes to very successful online businesses, I'm sure you do that too, right, yeah. Joey? You look to see what's working for other people in other fields, and then you apply that to the legal field. I started hearing about virtual assistants and how you can use, I think it was like Tim Ferriss' book, I think that exposed me mm -hmm. to it. I'm like, what is that? It's pretty cool. So I went and bought uh, Chris Ducker's book, I think. Uh, it has a book on virtual assistants. I read that. I'm like, this is amazing. I figured out uh, what Upwork is. So I hired my first VA, hired a couple of VAs, and then we were talking about this right before the thing. So I think it's worthwhile sharing this where in my first year I had like four or five VAs. And at the end of the year, I basically did an analysis of, hey, I have this VA and I paid them this much for the entire year. And then I looked at how much I paid them and I realized the value that I got on the back end was mm. so much more. Let's just say somebody that I spent $6,000 on was actually worth $100,000 to me. And then this yeah. person that I spent $4,000 on was worth $80,000 to me. This person that was 60, 600 bucks was like $150,000 to me. And I realized at that point that the VAs are the most leverageable, best 
business decision you can make for mm. any kind of business. It's very right now we're pretty untapped. The market hasn't caught on to it. That's yeah. where you can find a lot of good VAs. But I could foresee in the next five years it's gonna be very tough getting these amazing good VAs. So uh VAs, virtual assistants are super valuable. I love how like future focused you are in terms of and you we said this before we went live, like you you're thinking about how things are easy now but could easily get harder in the future and how to just really leverage what's working and what's easy now. You mentioned that at one point like VAs are working, I'm going to get like 20 of them. And, and I want to dive into that a little bit because one question that I'm seeing business owners have as they're starting to build a team of VAs around them is, do I go down the route of hiring a bunch of VAs and they each have very kind of specific things that they're doing? Or is it better to have like a handful of VAs that are, are more and more full-time? So you start off with two VAs. I actually shared this inside of legal funnels. The rule of two is there's some things in life you have to do two at a time. Mm. It's one of them. Why two at a time? Because VAs are sometimes hit or miss. Right now it feels like it's 50-50. It could go either yeah. way. So you always hire two. You test both of them out. To, and then usually one is much better than the other. So from that, mm. either you you stay at it with one of them or you if it's both of them are good, you continue. And from that, usually you start off with more general tasks. So you, your first VA hire is usually your right hand, somebody who can just take any tasks off your hands. Yeah. And then over time, you hire and hire more, and you try to hire specialists, people that only do one particular thing, ideally. So that mm. ultimately, you know, once you do this for a couple of years, then you just have very specific specialist VAs that do one thing ongoing basis, and they only do that. So let's just say when it comes to YouTube production, you'll have your YouTube thumbnail guy that only does that. One person who does your edits, one person who uploads. So you need to break down if this is the final project, what are the different divisions, different tasks that need to be done, and then ideally go hire a VA specifically mm. just for those things. And how much do you have to have those processes and systems detailed out before you bring someone on? I usually don't, I don't write it out. I just bring them on. Okay. Then the very first time that I provide those instructions, I either record the instructions with Loom or I just write out the instructions and I save it in a Google Doc and I have a rule of thumb that any trainings or any how-tos that I give to anybody always has to be recorded, either in writing mm. or in Loom videos. And I save it in Google Doc so that, you know, if something happens to this VA, you know, they stop working, I could just bring on the next one without my involvement. I just tell them, I just send it to this Google Doc that has all the instructions there and it's all there. I love that. So and it, yeah. I know that you help a lot of law firm owners specifically with VAs. And we talked again before we went live about how lawyers tend to have a lot of different concerns around bringing on VAs. And it's not just lawyers. I know a lot of business owners, have, it, there are parts of it that don't feel natural. What, what are the big concerns that you hear and how are you responding to those concerns? There's major limiting beliefs when it comes to VAs because it's so new, it's so out of the box, it's so non-traditional. And every time there's something new, there's always those you know, objections like for this reason, this won't work. And I keep hearing that over and over and over. Yeah. And I've been through myself, you know, you have to go through epiphanies when you have these VAs. It's like, first you're like, what can I give them? Then you're like, okay, maybe they can just do these things. I can tell you fast forward a couple of years after doing this, VAs can do everything and anything under the sun. It just yeah. it comes down to you, how much you're willing to let go, give mm -hmm. that trust to people. 
Nobody's going to be perfect. You're not perfect. If anything, I trust them some now more than me because I don't have focus and I don't have time to do all the things that I do. So I'd rather give it to somebody who has time and focus dedicated to that so that I trust them to do it better than me. And they do, and now I can tell you they do do it better than me because again, they have that focus and dedication to it. Again, it's one of those things where like, it's one thing to tell you, hey, it is possible, but you just have to go through the motions and you'll, and it'll make sense after a couple of months of doing it yourself. Like, wait, these VAs are actually can handle everything that I give them. So I, I think one more question on the topic of VAs, because I know I've got some other great conversations that we can have together. So far, when we talk about VAs, and I know this is inside of your program, there's just, there's so much opportunity to hire overseas, have good work, not pay them as much. At what point does it become more strategic or more effective to look for a local or US-based team? Not often. That's what it leads mm. to. That's where does it sound? So most of, most of it, um, yeah, as you said, is more cost effective to have these people that speak English really well, this, that write English really well, by the way, to handle most of the admin work, most of the, sometimes even the legal work, paperwork, doc, collecting documents, doing billing, everything you could think of mm. overseas. Only, what I have right now is, I think it's a hybrid model of virtual law firm, is I have my directors and managers that are in-house and then they're managing the virtual operations. So that means 90% of the law firm is virtual, but with very strict direct control with me to my directors and managers who are managing this virtual operation. So I think that's mm -hmm. the best way to go, gonna go about it, to kind of have both best of both worlds. You have the direct control, but still take advantage of this cost-effective, mass-scale, dedicated, specialized task force that's virtual. Man. and. I have to ask this because I'm mostly just bragging about you. You've got how many law firms? I can't keep count. It feels like seven, but a couple of the law firms are My gosh. Have, have 20, 10 to 20 law firms involved. My gosh. With those seven plus firms that you're leading, is it is there a lot of overlap between the team that's helping those different firms or no. is it all separate? Yeah, separate, different niches. Okay. So I just try to find the blue oceans of what, you know, whatever that's going on. Um, I don't get involved with competitive niches. So I find those niches mm -hmm. and just, it's a lot of marketing. It's a lot of marketing to generate those leads and then having automated systems to follow with the leads, be able to sign up the leads using VAs a lot. And kind of the cool part is, again, once you figure out the formula, you go to kind of replicate the same thing over and over and try to that's awesome. Build it up. And as long as it's generating you some income and revenue and it's working and you're getting clients from it, great. Let me set that up. Let me put a, ideally, let me put a director on it that can, that can handle, that can manage the growth and then move on to the next one and move That's on. That's so cool. So you've got all of these law firms in very different niches. And just to clarify, do you have a similar or the same team that is helping running all of those firms? Or is it, do they each have their own set of VAs? They have their own set of VAs, but it's essentially the same divisions. There's always okay. a division who's in charge of the leads, which is basically the sign-up team. Yeah. And then the leads are either, for me, either I serve them myself, which has their own service team, or mm -hmm. they're referred out to other lawyers. But more or less, again, it's a very quick cutter. So you have your divisions that are very similar to each other. So awesome. Okay, let's let's shift to, and I love the way you think. Something that I can tell is true about you, and I think it's, I'm realizing it's true about most of the really successful business owners that I meet is that money doesn't really motivate you. Absolutely. Can yeah. you talk about that? Because that seems backwards for a successful business owner, especially with these plaques behind you that show all of the different seven-figure businesses that you've been building. 
In the beginning, it does just to mm -hmm. drive you. And then once you hit whatever your, your first goal is, or your first couple of goals are, you realize your life doesn't change much, right? Mm -hmm. I haven't bought anything new at all in the past <laughs> couple of years, literally nothing at all. And then, then my life hasn't changed one bit and how I feel about myself hasn't changed one bit. At that point, it was a realization, like money doesn't drive me accepting that. Mm -hmm. So what drives me is doing what I love, doing what I wake up in the morning and being happy to, you know, mm -hmm. have the, well, that's one doing what I love. And then second is I love having the freedom of time where I, I do work, by the way, I do work a lot. I do work what it feels like, I don't know, 60 hours a week, but it feels like, mm. but I do also have full control of my time. Let's just say for today, I decided to go on a trip. I'm going on a trip for three days and my team doesn't know. I sometimes nice. I, most, most of these trips, I don't tell people where I'm going or that, that I'm leaving. I just do it. And people, you know, my team still thinks that I'm still working. Gosh, um, that's awesome. Having that for me is is so valuable that's I and mean, i think that's the reason why more and more entrepreneurs are popping up having that f control of time freedom of time mm. uh, that's what drives me as long as i have that i'll be happy and uh, i think i'll be successful yeah and i want to be clear and uh respectful here because i don't think anyone's visions is necessarily bad but i do think it's interesting that you value time in a way that i think is a little bit more sophisticated than i think there's that four hour work week idea of like run a business from the beach. And it seems like your goal isn't just to spend as many hours as possible not working. Like you said, by design, you're still working 60 hours a week. Correct. Yeah. And I work 60 hours a week because I, that's what I love doing anyway. Mm. So that for me is my vacation because it doesn't feel like work for me at all. Every day I if you ask my wife, I would jump out of bed every morning. Oh my gosh, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, if everyone's different, you know, uh, by all means, if you feel like spending time on the beach is your way to happiness, by all means, let's do, do that. But for me, at this point, stage of my life, I'm working on creating as many projects and ventures, helping as many people as I can, helping people grow, helping my team grow. That's huge for me. And then kind of seeing also what drives me is seeing this vision that I had initially, seeing that come to fruition is so valuable. So all that is what drives me. Um, is there, obviously, you know, you come from a legal background, you went to law school, you've got your own law firms. Is it just the fact that kind of, you know, this stuff and you know, this world that makes you think that you like, that you're enjoying helping other lawyers, or is there something about this group of law firm owners that like they in particular are a community that you really want to serve? One is it definitely helps a lot for me to be a lawyer myself. Yeah actually working in a law firm, so I know what the grind is like. So yeah. that definitely helps me sympathize with everybody that I work with. Two mm -hmm. is I'm actually very actively involved with a lot of law firms that I'm creating on the go. So I'm not just teaching it. I'm literally 80% of my time comes to actually creating the system. So I do have, whenever I teach anything, it's based on things that I'm literally doing that day, that week, which definitely helps a lot. A lot That's of these awesome. instructors and other things, like they talk, like theory things like, oh, you got to do Facebook ads or you got to do this. And like, okay, it's one thing to like know that this works, but actually showing it being done. And here's how to keep track of the leads in Google Sheets because it's exactly how I keep track of thousands mm. of leads. That's a whole different. So I think that's where people that are outside the legal funnel, before they sign up, they have no idea what they expect. And when they come in like, wait, this is pra very practical stuff because I'm literally sharing the screen of showing this is exactly the Google Sheet that, that I'm able to, you know, track all the leads this way. So that is super valuable is having that practicality of the action being done and then sharing that. Oh man, that's awesome. So th there was one other question and we, we've got some more time, but I wanted to make sure that I had time to ask this and for us to talk about it for a few minutes. When you're thinking about 
again, before we went live, the different mentors that have helped you and how you want to mentor others, it can very easily feel like in this business owner world, if you want to be surrounded by great mentors, people who are really going to elevate that average of the five people you're surrounding yourself with, there are investments to make around that. And again, I know you all well enough to know that you've made investments in being surrounded by bigger players. But for business owners, lawyers or not, who just might feel like they don't have the budget, but there is that kind of pressure and that willingness to try and connect with people who are above them in certain ways, who have things to teach them. Can you talk a little bit about opportunities to kind of bust those perceptions of paywalls to go out and find people who can elevate where you're at, who can be examples of what you might want to be without necessarily having to invest in a program or a paid mentorship or something like that? Very good question, by the way. So I feel like we live in a generation of information, right? So yeah. much free information out there on YouTube, especially I would say, you know, for most of us, YouTube is like one of the best, the best source of information for us. I obsessed with YouTube. I watched a whole lot of YouTube mm -hmm. videos, try to learn as much as I can. But over time I realized, do you use your watch later list, Joey? Yeah. How, how many videos do you have in your watch later right now? Oh, uh, I mean, I never take, do they? I mean, I probably have hundreds. Hundreds, right? So right now, and I used to keep, I used to use the watch later list and I used to keep up. So that means I would save like seven videos and then within like a day or two, I would watch the videos. Now I have 333. <laughs> I think this morning I was like looking at 330 watch later videos. And every single one of those videos is amazing and it's good. And I know every single one of them will somehow have one, have an impact for everything that I do. And so over time, so right now I'm like kind of struggling with keeping up. Yeah. So now I think that leads to new kind of consolidating through stop taking on so much information, try to downsize and how many people you, that you follow that mm. you really, that you really listen to. And I think that the next level, more refined version of that is having one person <laughs> with the dancers would love to see that watch list. I don't mind sharing it. I have actually all my uh, YouTube playlists that I save. Ever since I started using YouTube 15 years ago, I started saving playlists of like business, marketing, all that stuff. Oh, very cool. Sharing, sharing that with, with, with you guys. Over time, you realize, you know, okay, now you have hundreds of people that you follow. Great. Now it gets more refined. Maybe you follow the top three and then mm. ideally you go to the top one. And that's how you get better and better. If that's the case, then the better version is just having one person that you follow very closely and you learn the most from. So that's mm. one thing. Second thing is you don't ever take anything seriously until you pay for it. I used to love reading books and I used to uh, read a good, really good book. I used to like buy the book for my friends. Like this is an amazing book. You should definitely read this. It's going to change your yeah. life. And I realized every time I bought those books for people, they would just, they would never read it. Why? Because they would just get it and they never, they never bought it themselves. And so then they would never take it seriously. Yeah. So, you never take things seriously until you pay for it. And I also had the same uh, friends who like, I would, I felt bad for them. They were like struggling with their own law firms, like cl very close friends. I'm like, Hey, you should join my program. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'll be nice to you. I'll let you in for free. Just take, make sure to take it seriously. Uh. Out of those three close friends, they never took it seriously. And, I, and then uh, now stopped kind of not doing that. That's the lesson is you never take things seriously until you earn it yourself. You pay for yourself. So that's the reason why. When you, when you pay for something, you we're, we're more likely to take it seriously, to show up, 
having a structured program, not just like a bunch of information out there, but kind of having a structured in a timely fashion here today, Tuesday, we're going to be focusing on this. I'm, I'm going to follow up with you to make sure you implement this. And I'm going to check in with you and hold you accountable. That is where the actual results come from. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what the programs and these paid courses, hopefully ideally should provide the accountability, that focus tied to a time. Where, and then also having that social aspect of it. You're in a group where everybody's working on this together. Not necessarily you are watching, sitting there watching recorded courses. That's where the value is coming from. I love that. And a follow-up question to that then is for people who are understanding this and who are investing in resources and programs like yours and coaching, I know something that me and my business friends have talked about experiencing is that struggle of having too many coaches in the kitchen and feeling like you're investing in action items that are pulling you in different directions. Correct. Yes. That, that, that was pretty much what I was trying to say. First you serve a hundred, then you have three, then ideally you have one because again, yeah. three, you, it throws it's you off. It's so much easier to take action on that one big investment that you're following. Exactly. Totally. Yes. yes. That focus is the only thing I have on my wall on the, on the right side. I don't have anything yeah. else. Focus is really key for everybody. And I'll, I'll say what Sam probably won't say is as the teacher of a program, it's very frustrating when you're seeing people not get results because they're trying to get other opinions about what you're telling them to do instead of just doing it. Something that I would say at the end of the modules, I'm like, this is the only thing you got to focus on. These are the four things you got to do this week and nothing else matters. So I don't care if somebody Love comes that. to you and says, you got to try this, you got to go on clubhouse and you got to <laughs> go make sure to go on clubhouse for 30 minutes. Yeah. And spend time. Like nothing else matters. So yeah, yeah. There, I mean, I, I love that you say that because I think one, one area that I think a lot of coaches aren't doing super effectively is they are creating steps, but it's very short-sighted in terms of the accountability. So instead of doing what you've done of here is a multi-week program and every week we're going to be doing new things, it's like, okay, let's help you clarify what your focus is this week. And then next week you can have a totally different focus that we'll respect without Correct. really connecting the dots in a certain direction. Correct. The way that they do it, and I came up with the program myself, I think like the way that I would probably try to get the most value from the program myself is the first week is just about learning. So it's about getting exposed to it, learning it. And then after that, I give you actionable steps that's tied to a day of that week that you implement. And then the second week we all meet on Zoom and that's when we try to finalize all the, the applications like implementing. And I was trying to tie the task to a scheduled time. So I never get, you know, if somebody tells me, I, I basically send an accountability link, say, let me know what you have done so far. So somebody mm -hmm. says, I haven't done this yet. I never get annoyed. I just say, okay, no problem. When, what day and time are you going to do this? Uh, this week? And then they have to reply back to me Thursday at 10 AM. Okay, great, great. <laughs> so you should. That's awesome. Them. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So by the way, before we wrap up, I want to make sure that we, we've got both here on the live video and also in the podcast and things. Um, if people are interested in this program, uh, is there a specific link people can go to or to book a call with you to see if they'd be a good fit? Sure. It's just legalfunnel.com. Um, we, uh, we also have a Facebook group called Legal Funnel Members. That's where I post a lot of value, um, post videos and things in there. Yeah, Legal Funnel, just Google it. And that's a free group, right? Correct. Free group. Yeah. So awesome of you. Try to provide as much value upfront. Um, before I do anything else. Yeah. Okay. 
Love it. Thanks so much, Sam. My last question for you is, and I'm asking this kind of selfishly because I feel like we've got very similar personalities and things that we like about entrepreneurship. You mentioned your your long watch later list on YouTube. Are there any productivity or self-help or improvement thought leaders that aren't necessarily business related that you're really kind of attached to and following right now? No particular person. I'm scrolling down. I have 314 in the watch. I think I cleaned it up last night. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm trying to scroll down. Um, productivity. There's no, not at the moment. I'm like scrolling down to see who's left because I think I may have watched theirs and already removed them from the watch list. Um, mm -hmm. Noah Kagan is okay. Um, that I've been watching. Pat Flynn is really relatively good. Yeah. Um, who else do I see? And oh, oh, there's one particular good business one. Um, uh, Alex Hormozzi. Joey, do you know oh, Alex? Oh, I'm not familiar with that one. Okay, that one is he's really good. He's done a hundred million dollars <laughs> with oh the user funnels. Um, and he's very successful, obviously, but he also his uh, YouTube channel. He just starts off his video says, "I have nothing to pitch you. Here's just some good <laughs> advice." Oh, about I business. love that. Yeah, and he has like he does a very like smart um, business mindset things where like just one video could potentially mm -hmm. change the trajectory of how you think about different things. You know, one particular thing is that he, like that I learned from him. It was like a three minute video, very short video, but he basically said he had two students, or or no, it was him and someone else that he was comparing himself to. And he was at the time, you know, he had a funnel that was working and he was spending like $20,000 a month on Facebook ads for something that was working for him. Gosh. And then there was another person who was spending $100,000 a month um, on Facebook ads and he was making way more. And he's like, what the hell is going on? I know I have the better funnel. I know I have the better offer. What's going on? And he just realized the only difference was how much money I spent in ads. It's such yeah. an easy like thing. You're like a lot of times you try to have get the highest ROI. Why don't you just, you know, crank it up just instantly just double the budget and see what happens. So I, I love that idea. And that's something that I've had to learn that the hard way of when it comes to things like paid advertising, sometimes you just have to rip the Band-Aid off, spend more money on the ads themselves and learn lessons versus trying to, to pay some expert to help you get it right before you spend any ad money. Correct. And everybody, all the professionals and lawyers, you guys are all one converting funnel away from you know being free <laughs> you know having so I true i don't consider it passive income but it's it's it gives you ease of mind like you know i could depend on this funnel to at least bring me six thousand ten thousand dollars a month however much a month as long as working and it's it's cool i know joe you have a converting funnel. like how good does it feel <laughs> it's it's unbelievable again i know that, that there are people who are tuning in that aren't all law firm owners but if you are um they're there really are not that many experts that, that are talking about funnels for lawyers. And when I say that, the only person that comes to mind is Sam. But you're right, Sam. It's it's so helpful to know that there is a passive lever that doesn't require any of my time to bring in people and that I can we can now depend consistently on this will come in as a result of this solid set of messaging that we've done and put in place. No, being 
you shared like being thinking ahead. I know all law firm websites will eventually turn into funnels in the next 10 years. Mm, this is one of the yeah. things I know it's going to happen. A lot of people, again, don't realize this. And I can, I'm like been <laughs> pounding on the desk saying this is going to happen. I know it's going to happen. Um, if you don't believe me, go look at Netflix, netflix.com. Go look at their website. It's not a website. It's a funnel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this billion dollar, $200 billion, $300 billion company, you know, their website is built on funnel concepts, you know, conversions, things like that. That's where it's heading. No, so you don't need this fancy website and things like that to get clients. You go learn about funnels. Yeah. You know, it's not easy. You know, you gotta, it's not about putting it up. It, you gotta constantly work on it and track your numbers, see what's working, refine it over time. And it's about, you know, staying on track. If you stay on track with it and, you know, give it time to, to evaluate, then good things happen. A lot of people. Okay. Put it up this and, is, this is great. And I want to yeah. zoom in on it just to, to help clarify for anybody who might not be super familiar with what a funnel is. Cause yeah. you said, you know, this is more important than making sure that your website is pretty to an extent. You could say that building a funnel does require creating websites, but in you're the pro. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what, what you mean here is let's focus on where we're sending people when they visit your website and building that out instead of having the website itself be the best branded thing you've ever seen and and even focusing more on the, the funnel side than like seo search term keyload stuffing Correct. So all the work that you do to create content, either through YouTube videos, blogging, things like that, dash, or if you also, if you do paid ads, Google ads and Facebook ads, that should, all that should lead to your funnel. Right. Okay. If you're driving them and then, so that's the important part. And two is you need to have a funnel. <laughs> you need to have something, uh, because if not, your competitor is going to figure things out and then they're going to have a funnel. And they're going to compete with you. They're going to spend more ad, uh, spend more money on ads. They're going to mm -hmm. take over your market. So go, go create your own funnel, get it up, start testing it. Um, over time, you refine it, and yeah, you will get clients from it. Thank, thank you for for going here. And I really do want to help clarify this for for law firm owners, even smart ones who might know that this can get a little bit um, more sophisticated for law firm owners. Because I think for a lot of law firms, there is a kind of built-in basic funnel of book a call with us. And once that call is made or scheduled, there's a funnel that helps with the follow-up there. Uh, when you say that in 10 years, everyone, like all law firms are going to have funnels. Do you have just even that basic idea in mind of people who are promoting calls and then following up with that? Or do you mean like every every law firm is going to have some version of a freebie or training or something that happens before the call that starts the funnel? The funnel, I like to go straight to the point. So the funnel just goes directly to book a call. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to be this lead magnet. Everybody, when they think of funnels, they think like, you have to give away this guide. You don't have to give away any guide. I don't give away any guide in any of my funnels, by the way. I love that sense of permission. Yeah. So I just promise whatever problem that I'm going to solve for them, that's, that's the offer. Mm. And that leads directly to a video that leads to a booking. And then that leads to a scheduled booking page, which gets them to show up to the call. That's the interesting. <laughs> short, short words. <laughs> no, this is, this is great. Cause, um, 
and I, I love that we've got a little bit of extra time here because I, you guys, I think this is like the mic drop moment of the entire conversation of having your funnel as a law firm start with the call and not something else. Um, tell me more about this because was this something that you experimented with and it didn't quite work as well as you wanted or, or do you just love promoting calls directly and it seems to work well? I just go look at to see what's working for other people they are very successful and then just go apply it in the legal field. So I think what it's leading these funnels and everything is leading down to having the most minimal viable funnel we could create, which is the shortest funnel in the most direct mm. funnel. And maybe even it might even lead to a couple of years where maybe a one page funnel might be the answer. Whereas all it is just one page is the headline video and a booking and that's it. Nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> so, so to, to put more context around this and let's just say the situation of starting Facebook ads, it would mean having the, the main component of your Facebook ad content that you're pushing money behind be some type of video or other piece of content that promotes booking a free call with you. No, not, not, not necessarily. Okay. It would just, the ad would be something to invoke the curiosity that, uh, that basically addresses their problem. It says, and then there would be follow-up ads, um, re-engagement ads that then talk about the call. No, the ad just goes directly to the funnel. Um, so let's, let's break it down. Yeah. The ad, ad is just to get their attention, invoke curiosity, address the problem says, if you have this problem, go here, they get to your funnel. Ideally the first part of your funnel, you always want to get the contact information. So again, you address you, the problem and, and some something you're going to promise something you're going to give to them, which is the or, call, which is not necessarily the call. Okay. Just, just the problem. I'm not mentioning the call yet because they don't even know. Um, so yeah, the first part of the landing page is, is just that to say, I'm going to solve this problem for you. Okay. Tell me how they opt in. And the very next page is a video that nurtures them, builds a relationship with them. Cause that's, you don't want to, at that point, just send them to your Facebook group and then check, say, check your, check your email inbox because, because you, you got them right then. So try yeah. to push them to get them whatever you want them to do. So video is the best thing you want them to do because you want them to watch this short video so that they could be kind of pre-closed or kind of already be nurtured before they're going to get on a call with you. So mm. the video basically, uh, basically again, addresses the problem, um, teases them a little bit and says, and you provide a lot of proof of all these other people that you helped. If you want me to help you the same way that I've helped them, go ahead and schedule your free discovery call. Ah, okay. okay. So you them. are collecting their name and their email before prompting them to book a call. Correct. You're just not promoting any type of a freebie in that Correct. layer where you're asking Correct. for the email and contact. Correct. That, that's what it is now, but I, I could kind of foresee that down the future, I might, I might be able to just possibly remove the first page of the funnel and just directly drag them straight into book a call. I think... Yeah. I think this is amazing. And for anybody who's watching this live or the replay, I hope that you're getting in because this is like some next level tips from Sam. I think not only is it more effective, but especially if you don't love the idea of creating a bunch of freebies or doing, you know, webinars or something like this, this can yeah. also just, it can be a lot less work on your end that Correct. is just as effective, even, you know, more so effective. Correct. I, the way I see it again, more direct, no fancy lead magnet. A lot of people just 
spend the first couple of weeks just creating this fancy lead magnet and before even testing out whether people even want this. Yeah. That's one. And second is I don't believe in webinars. Nobody, when was the last time you you watched an hour Gosh. webinar? Yeah. It's for me, it's been years. It has to be like exceptional. And even then I try to get the recording if I can or whatever it is. Um, so no, a short video, short video. They're just like 10 minutes long, just addresses their, again, the problems and just invites them to do a book, book a call. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Sam, this is great, man. Thank you so much for your time, for going right. deep with me in certain areas. Again, if you guys have, especially if you're law firm owners, um, go to legalfunnels.com. Is it legal funnels or legal funnel? Le legal funnel. Legalfunnel.com. Uh, learn more about how Sam can help you. And if you're not a law firm owner, follow Sam wherever you can find him online because <laughs> he's one of those super smart, savvy, and just kind business owners that you can learn a lot from, reach out to. He's super cool. Thank you. Appreciate it. And I also want to give props to you, Joey. I've, I've seen your growth from day one. And I love that you stayed on track. You constantly, I'm seeing your, you know, and I know, I know what I see. I see that you're constantly refining it, oh. and you're always, you know, looking to grow. And also, you're also very good, uh, share and a giver, and somebody who thinks beyond themselves is not selfish. So I hope your audience quadruples in the next, well, thanks, in, in the next couple of years. And um, I know we're gonna be probably somehow in some shape or form working with each other either you know being co-instructors for something because i think it's ultimately this is what we love doing um i think both of us have the right abundance mentality so i hope we definitely take it both of us take advantage of that oh it'll, it'll happen all right you guys thanks so much for your time thanks again to sam and i'll see you guys all next week bye all right that'll do it for this week's episode of the business growth advantage with me joey c vitale thanks for tuning in i'll see y'all next week Learn